Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor, and I'm a mom. We're getting real about all things family from a mental health perspective. So let's get to it. So today, uh, Fleur and I are talking about the realm of executive functioning. Fleur Vanderkuhl is a registered clinical counselor who specializes in ADHD, anxiety, and depression. She works with kids, with adolescents, and with adults, and uses a combination of cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavior therapy, as well as mindfulness. And she holds two master's degrees, one in counseling psychology and the other in uh, clinical child and adolescent psychology. And she has over 12 years of experience as a clinician and as a psychometrist. So what is unique about Fleur is that her work also folds in not just counseling services, but coaching. And it's specific to executive functioning coaching. She does this with adolescents and she does this with adults, as well as offering customized executive functioning skills workshops for parents and teachers. And so um, what I know to be true from working with Fleur as a colleague is that she's authentic, she's compassionate, and she's empowering. She's really a counselor and a coach who works based on your strengths. And I really value that. So I'm glad that she was able to join us for today's conversation. So Fleur, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me, Karen. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this one because I find myself doing a lot of thinking about executive functioning, um, both in my work, but also at home as a mom <laughs> yes. and trying to figure out how to best motivate my kids and they have very different needs. And right. so the way their brains are structured and work is different. I find myself very much uh attuned to my own executive functioning. I'm yes. type A personality. Yes. So I like getting things done and being organized and planning <laughs> and all that jazz. So this fits for me. So I'm excited about today. Okay. okay. So I am also aware that parents and people who are supporting kids who are tuning in for today are drawn to this topic because they already know it's a thing for them in some way. Yes. But I'm also aware that our listeners are on a continuum of knowledge about these topics. So I'd love to try and meet the needs of as many people as we can by both talking about what it, just basics of what executive functioning is and how it develops. Yeah. And just starting there. And then we'll talk about some of the nuances and the, the extra pieces as we dive deeper. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you shoot, you tell us what we need to know Sounds about good. what it is and how it develops. Yeah. So basically, in a nutshell, um, executive function skills are um, the skills that help us focus, um, that help us sustain attention through a task, um, that help us plan a task, prioritize tasks. So which tasks do we need to start on first, not the ones that we want to do first? Um, what work towards goals, so that big assignment that you have to do for school. Um, it helps us regulate our behaviors, so it uh, helps us regulate our um, impulses, um, but also our emotions. Um, it helps us adapt to new and unexpected situations, um, so it allows us to be flexible. Um, so it's sometimes I kind of describe it as kind of the conductor of an orchestra. Um, and when I get clients in, um, especially parents, I always like to use this example. And um, I have to give credit to uh, my colleague, um, uh, psychologist that I used to work for um, in Vancouver. 
um, who got me into the executive functioning um, field. Um, so you always describe executive function skills as um, imagine a manager of a big factory with hundreds of workers. And one day the manager comes down to the work floor, asks all the workers to come and says, you know, here guys, here you all have $5 is an ice cream truck outside. It's super hot. Take a break, go outside and get some ice cream. Well, what do you think the workers will say? Uh, Yes, yes. I'm on my way. I'm yeah, on my I'm way. I'm already there. I'm out of there. Right? <laughs> I'm already there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So easy yeah. task. You know, everybody is motivated. Yeah. Everybody wants to stop with what they're doing. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's go for it. Um, but what if one day the manager comes down to the work floor, gathers all the workers and says, hey guys, I want you to stop what you're doing. And I want you to start counting all the nails in this building. What do you think the workers will say? <laughs> Uh, no, I'd like to take a sick day. <laughs> exactly. Like to have a sick day. Oh, yeah, no, get me no. out of here for a whole different reason. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're at ice cream, right? So, um, in those moments where you have to do a task that's either difficult or boring, a task that you're totally not interested in, um, in that moment, you need that manager. You need those executive function skills to get a task like that done. So you need that manager to help the workers, divide them into different groups. Hey guys, you guys do this wall, you guys do that wall. You need that manager to make sure that the workers pay attention. They pay attention to detail. They don't miss anything. You need to prioritize. Okay, you start there first and then you go there. You need to schedule it. Um, okay, work for 45 minutes, then take a little break. You need to make sure that the workers are motivated to maybe have that ice cream at the end of the day. Right. So what happens with kids who struggle with executive function difficulties, that manager goes on a coffee break, that manager is not there. So they're totally at a loss. They're like, no, I don't want to do it. They feel overwhelmed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I spend a lot of time as my kids external brain trying to come up with their ice cream. Yes. Right. Uh, whatever their version of ice cream is, yeah. I'm trying to go, what's going to get them going yeah. that they care about yes. doing, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, and you know, so, so what you'll see with kids with executive function difficulties, they're, um, you know, they have a hard time paying attention, right? They have a hard time getting themselves motivated. They have a hard time controlling their impulses. They're often described as lazy, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so those those kids are, you know, forgetful, they have a hard time controlling their impulses, they have a hard time uh, controlling their emotions when something unexpected happens, when yeah. uh, suddenly that play date doesn't go um, ahead, when suddenly they have an assignment coming up that they, you know, totally forgot about, they have a hard time regulating their emotions. So in terms of your development question, so people are not born with executive function skills. So uh, develop, um, executive function skills develop over time and every executive function skill develops at a different pace and at a different pace for each individual. So it doesn't fully develop until early adulthood. And what you'll see with some kids, uh, especially children with ADHD or a lot of kids with autism, um, you'll see that those executive function skills are delayed. Um, so Dr. Russell Barkley, who's one of the main guys who does a lot of research into ADHD, um, says that uh, on average, 
in children with ADHD, their executive function skills are about 30% delayed. So it's mm -hmm. very important, and I often share this with my clients, it's very important to realize that with your child. So even perhaps with your own child, right? So um, realize that when you have a 12-year-old, that they're actually only functioning in terms of their executive function skills, in terms of their ability to regulate, plan, all of those things, motivated, sustain attention. They're more functioning like an eight-year-old, right? So yeah. sometimes I'll get parents in and, oh, they get so frustrated with their 12-year-old because it's like, well, my nine-year-old daughter does everything. She gets ready That's in right. the morning, exactly. right? So when I say that, they're like, huh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, my daughter a year ago was kind of functioning at that level, right? So, yeah. Yeah, which is a conversation I find um, helpful in a lot of ways for a lot of different issues, because mm -hmm. when we recognize a child's capacity, yes. it gives us perspective on how to manage our expectations, Yes, right? And so what's what can tend to feel personal, like they're being defiant, or they're not willing, or they're being lazy, as yes. you mentioned before, or that those narratives, those storylines about our kids happen most often in a gap where we're confused about what's going on mm -hmm. and we expect more. Yes. Right. Absolutely. They should, it's the shoulds. They should yes. be able to do this. Yeah. Why aren't they doing it? Yeah. It must be because they just refuse and they don't want to. Willful. Or, yeah. Right. Willful. And, and the, yeah. the unfortunate thing is that it doesn't only happen at home, it happens at school, yeah. it happens That's at right. sports. So um, I, I see a lot of adults who've just recently been diagnosed with ADHD mm -hmm. and um, they say that that's often the toughest thing for them, that it wasn't recognized, that they were always seen yeah. as lazy or just not wanting to do well and that it really impacted their self-esteem and that it created anxiety for them, social anxiety, self-esteem issue, even depression, right? So I always want parents to know that children do well if they can that they do mm -hmm. the best if they can do it right so um really be aware of that and that you really need to support them as opposed to working against them yeah, yeah. i in the development area of that part of the question i remember somebody um doing a talk on severe anxiety and talking about how the regulatory functions and remembering that there's more data at play than just our nervous system yes. right? and um that the, the first of all, the piece that you mentioned about it's the last part of our brains to really develop. Yeah. But in the, I thought it was such a, um, a gift the way she had described kind of the flow of development that we yeah. start at the brainstem and then it works up the back and comes to the front. And so yeah. even just pictorially, it made me recognize, right, it's the last thing to click for yes. kids. It's the last thing. And if we have kids who that is, is what you would say delay or a leg or whatever, yeah compared to the kids that they're working with in mm -hmm. classrooms or mm -hmm. what adults expect of them or yeah. right yeah. that that is an ongoing frustration piece that makes so much intuitive sense as to why the world offers so much negative feedback that you're not you're not doing well absolutely how does that not impact your self-esteem exactly right? yeah which makes me then um, bridge to the conversation that's very common about are labels helpful? Yeah. Because so many parents go, I don't know if I want a diagnosis for my kid. Like mm -hmm. that's scary to me and what will mm -hmm. happen. And, and, and I always come back to purpose. What's the purpose of it? Is it going to be helpful for you in getting the resources they need? Is it going to be helpful for them to go, ha, huh, yeah. I'm not 
a bad kid. Mm-hmm. I'm not bad because in absence of understanding that, I think that's the feedback they get. It's yeah. the terms like lazy, yeah. dumb, yeah. not, not with it. Personal defiant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, parents will, will, will come sometimes with the panic, right? Like, oh my gosh, he needs to go to university next year. How is he going to be able to do it, right? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And generally, I'll, I'll, I'll tell parents, you know, if, if you do an assessment for, for example, ADHD, if you suspect that, right? You don't necessarily have to take medication, right? I think that's the biggest fear. Nobody's going to force you to treat anything. Exactly. That's totally up to you. Um, But it's good to be aware of what's really going on with your child, right? So it may be ADHD, it may be autism, it may be a written expression um, uh, disorder, right? So really being aware of what is going on so getting an assessment can sometimes be so helpful and also helpful for teachers like you know us at mental health practitioners you know we expect teachers to know but they don't all know right so they're not all knowledgeable in that field so for the teacher to suddenly be like hey that makes a lot of sense because he's always late he's always forgetting to get his things on the table you know getting his uh handing in assignments on time so i think it's it's very important for parents and teachers to know really what's going on for a child absolutely i think about the difference between like all kids have that where they're disorganized they can't think we, that's developmentally normal yeah. i think where parents um are really adept at going okay but something's not catch it's just not moving yeah so the sticking part of parenting is so frustrating when it doesn't stick right so when we teach a child who's kind of neurotypical yeah and we and it matches our expectations of them developmentally then we have a lot of patience because we go well it's not something they've learned yet and so we we give them all the coaching naturally we go well this is where your backpack goes and this is where your bottle goes in the backpack and this is what you need like an eight-year-old yeah and and we walk through that but the next day they look at their backpack and they're like I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with this then the parent thinks good grief like what (laughs) because our natural expectation is that if we've just taught something it will stick yeah absolutely and I think that's the qualitative difference of parenting kids who don't have a fully formed or, or it's not moving along on yeah. track the way we'd expect that that's the experience of how like I, this is a mystery mm-hmm. to me because we went yes. over this yeah right? exactly yeah. yeah so with those children uh, I tell parents you need to repeat 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 okay. it's not going to stick just after one time right you need yeah. a lot of reminders you need a lot of checklists and they just need a lot of practice so parents need to be um willing to do that but also know that that's what's going to help your child that's going to be the way that you support your child yeah yeah so be patient yeah Kit, you've mentioned ADHD and autism Mm -hmm. or is there anything you'd add to that list that you would say this is a executive functioning legs Mm -hmm. are, are a significant portion of the struggle associated with these diagnoses what other diagnoses kind of fit that mold yeah this is a part of the equation 
Yeah, so um, you will see executive function difficulties as a result of anxiety. Um, so okay. uh, also as a result of depression. So having a hard time, you know, getting tasks done, getting yourself motivated, planning, right. starting a task. So it's almost like, you know, you have anxiety. And then as a result of that, you will start to have executive function difficulties. Um, okay. But often they go hand in hand too. the ADHD, the not being able to start tasks, feeling quickly overwhelmed can cause anxiety or can cause social difficulties, right? With yeah. regulating your impulses, not understanding the consequences of your behavior. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, of course, yeah. you have the academic difficulties, right? So um, right. difficulties with writing, not being able to um, initiate that writing task, not knowing how to plan or organize, or even in reading, you know, uh, being able to identify the main themes and concepts um, to make those inferences. Yeah. And on the flip side, I also find that is confusing for a lot of parents too, because that is a common experience that, that comes hand in hand with these other kind of secondary things that roll out of that. Yes. But then it's confusing if there are a couple of things. One, my kid could do it yesterday, can't, couldn't do it yesterday. And all yes. of a sudden this morning they're organized. Yeah. Like, so it's that inconsistency yeah. of accessing this, yeah. right? Where they go, well, I know they can do it because they did it the other day. Right. So why all of a sudden did that drop off the planet? I know yeah. they're, they're capable is yeah. the feeling. And the other piece I think is about which, which part of the, like, which part of the, the task, yeah. like, Absolutely. Right. And so f for some kids with ADHD, they go, well, they couldn't have it because mm -hmm. they're whip smart. They're way ahead of their class. They read a million miles and yeah. because they're super, they find that really stimulating and they're hyper-focused yeah. and they, so they have strong attention in some areas. And I think those things are like those nuances of detection yeah. of, but that's not the same as generalized attention. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so it can be confusing. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. FASD was another thing I was thinking of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. A big one. Yeah. A big one, right? Yeah. yeah. That experience of things being taught, not sticking. So not being able to think ahead or yeah. the consequences. Of yeah. Stuff. yeah. 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 Unfortunately, alcohol during pregnancy has a yeah significant impact on brain development and especially the executive function okay. um, development. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I often talk with parents about that concept of being their child's external brain. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be their coach. It's, it's yeah. your job, but all 24 seven, right. Yeah. Of, I'm going to give you the tools you need. I'm going to teach you a mechanism or a strategy for this. I'm going to think on your behalf about how to plan for something. Yeah. I'm going to ask you ahead of time. Did you check this? Did you do that? Did you do, okay, we're now we're good to go. Yeah. I can't just expect my kid to do that. So I end up being their external brain. Yeah. Um, so in having to prepare for our kids, I, um, there's not like, there's not a manual, mm -hmm. but I also know that when parents get together, yeah. they exchange tips and tricks. Yeah. And so they start to build this collective toolkit of, Oh, hadn't tried that one mm -hmm. or, Oh, that's a good strategy. So yeah. a big one in our household is using challenges, like a, setting timers for things because that yeah. becomes, it becomes the ice cream. Absolutely. It's like, I want to know that I can do this fast. And yes. so that's my motivation for, I don't care about the task, but yeah. I do care about getting it done before <laughs> the alarm goes off. Yes. Or yeah. And so 
just strategizing together. I know parents have really benefited from coming together to exchange those tips and tricks, but you do this all the time and you see a host of people come through your office who bring their own, I've tried this, I've tried that, or this works, this doesn't. And then you add to their toolkit. So Mm -hmm. can you name a few of the things that in that executive functioning area, what gets that motor going? Yeah. What works? Yeah. yeah. What works? Um, yeah. So it kind of depends on what area of executive functioning um, a child struggles. Not every child struggles in each area. Um, but generally, I start with uh, when I work with high school students or university students with um, planning. So I know a lot of parents will say, oh, yeah, I, I do plan for my child. But often what I see is the plan or the schedule is not realistic or not specific enough. So what I do is I set up something like a Google calendar or um, a paper planner and I plan every day and what I do for the child. And what I do is I uh, set the exact time that the child needs to you know, start on a task. And um, first of all, really, I make a whole list of all the tasks that they need to do. Then I try to estimate how long a task takes. And that's generally very, very difficult for a child. They'll be like, oh, that, you know, written assignment, that essay, oh, probably only takes me an hour. Unrealistic. Unrealistic. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So they underestimate uh, how long it actually takes. They don't think about, oh, well, first I need 10 minutes to think about the topic. Then I need to find resources. Then my computer is not working or, right. And, um, so I'll often have them estimate it and then actually monitor how long things take. And they're like, oh, yeah, that okay. you know, took a lot longer. So don't, then if you do that over and over, the child will become more accurate with time estimation, okay. which then makes it a lot easier to plan. If you know, you know, uh, it's going to take you two hours, then, you know, it's going to take you two hours and not an hour. And then, um, you know, you think you have time for something else. Yeah. So make sure that it's uh, realistic and manageable. So often kids will be like, oh, I can do that tomorrow. I'll just be super duper focused tomorrow and I'll get everything done. Mm -hmm. Well, often that doesn't really happen. So another thing with executive functioning is that a lot of children and university students have a hard time starting a task, initiating a task. So what I really find helpful is that if you set up manageable, um, break down tasks into manageable chunks. So sometimes for high school students they're only able to focus for like 20 minutes so i say okay set the timer for 20 minutes have a break and then get back to work and it's a lot easier for students to start a task even i even do that for myself and i have to do a yes. lot of laundry or when i have to clean the house oh, like, yeah. you know what just do 20 minutes okay and then you're done and sometimes yeah. often what students also find is once you get started you're like it's actually not too this hard. So or bad. I'm, I can I'm, do another 10 minutes. Exactly, yeah. right? They get the task yeah. done. But it helps you to get over that hump of getting started and not feeling yeah. overwhelmed, right? So break down tasks into manageable chunks, estimate how long it takes, and be really specific in terms of when you're planning to start. And then monitor. And this takes practice, practice, practice. So I often see kids on a weekly basis. We review how things went what do we learn from last week okay let's improve that for this week um use the electronic devices as your benefit and i know you kind of have to you know find the balance 
and you don't want it to be a major distraction. But I actually find that a lot of parents say, you know what, he has his phone anyway. So I may as well set a reminder to start your homework or to don't forget to hand in that assignment, right? As I said, a lot of these strategies are dependent on on in what area the child is struggling. Um, But another thing I find just something basic, like having a binder with different folders and having two folders of homework that needs to go home and have a folder homework that needs to be turned in. So if a child opens up the binder in the morning, like, okay, let's see if there's anything in the turn in. Um, And they're like, oh yeah, you know, I need to turn this in. Perfect. As opposed to having it, you know, somewhere shoved under all the books on the bottom and like, oh, that's where it was. Um, Yeah. So uh, visual reminders, depending on the age of the child, uh, making sure sometimes that you use pictures. Um, Yeah. Make sure that you take lots of breaks um, as, as well. Yeah that's it. Those are such great examples for high school kids. Like mm-hmm. I can see that being a really common kind of continuum, like a range of, a lot of parents will, will say, my kids seem irresponsible. They can't get their stuff in time. I know they did the work and they never bothered to hand it in. Or <laughs> like some of those, yeah. a lot of the examples you were just giving yeah. feel like that fits the, the tip at hand Yeah. for younger kids when it comes to emotional regulation or managing things like intense disappointment, like transition stuff or Mm -hmm. something ends, they don't Mm -hmm. know how to, how to handle the feeling that comes with an ending to something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any, any ideas there of what you would suggest? Yeah. Um, uh, so, so front loading. So, um, letting the child know, Hey, you know what? You only have 10 more minutes to play with your friend or 10 more minutes to, uh, play that video game. Um, and really that's really specific, right? So you would really work with the child on emotion regulation, um, strategy. So, you know, yeah. breathing. Um, and then, um, so another thing is that a child won't really practice those strategies unless they're really motivated right so rewards are very important in that regard as well um so yeah that that will really be you know therapy therapy where you will really work with the child uh working on emotion regulation strategies yeah yeah so when you say that I can hear parents going, so am I supposed to just keep giving my kid candy every time they, is that what <laughs> yeah. we're talking about? Like, you what, know, yeah. what does it mean to find what motivates them and re- what's rewarding for yes. them? How do parents do that? With yeah. Kids like this? So I get to hear that all the time. Right. Okay. So, um, so the thing is with, um, kids who have executive function difficulties and especially children with ADHD, they don't really have that intrinsic motivation. So um, they don't really get that pleasure from making their bed or having an organized binder or getting homework done on time. They don't have that intrinsic motivation like we have, right? With kids without ADHD or adults without ADHD. So they need that external reward to get themselves motivated. And if you want your child to do those boring tasks like brushing teeth or combing their hair or take a shower, really, those are some of the things that parents, you know, bring their child, children in for, right? They struggle yeah, with that. Um, right. It's a big stressor in the household. So you need to create those external rewards. And once the child 
feel successful, like, hey, you know what, I actually handed something in and I felt so good once I actually was mm -hmm. able to do it. You know, I'm able to, you know, brush my teeth and there's no stress in the morning. Then they'll yeah. likely do it more and more. But in order to get them there, you really need those external rewards. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, research actually shows that external rewards work mostly with children who lack that intrinsic motivation. It doesn't do yeah. much for kids that's who right. have that extrinsic motivation. Yeah. And I think that's the confusing part because parenting books who yeah. are talking about the average kid with kind of neurotypical development, yeah. we don't want to be bribing, bribing our mm -hmm. kids with goods all the time yeah. to get them to want them to have that grown sense of internal satisfaction from doing something yeah. because that should be self-perpetuating. Or a neurotypical and child. we yes. have to recognize that doesn't work for kids no. who are wired this way. Exactly. So they rely on something external more often. Yeah. Which also makes me think of this, this experience, yeah. particularly with kids with ADHD, is the rotating door of novelty, mm -hmm. is what I call it. Absolutely. Of, I set up a beautiful chart. It's very motivating. I, I bought these Hobby. markers that you can draw on mirrors. Yeah. And so I, I have like, I'm trying to be all artistic yes. in the bathroom mirror above my kid's sink. It's only her sink, awesome. right? Yeah. And so we do motivating, positive messages and yeah. say, and did you brush your teeth? Yeah. Check here. Yes. You know, well, it lasts three days. Yeah. She's super motivated. Mm -hmm. For three days, I don't have to ask her. She's yeah. excited to run to the bathroom to see what the message is yeah. and to check. And then she's like, she doesn't even notice it's there anymore. No, no. And that the high rotating thing, I sometimes I call it like whack-a-mole, yeah. where like you got it on the head and you're like, yes. Yeah. And then the next one pops up and yeah. you're like, oh. Yeah. So for parents who are doing this external braining, it's yeah. not just about finding what motivates them for the long term. Because it's external, it's constantly, yeah. a, what's the new thing that catches them now, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what it's like uh, for those yeah. type of kids. You need, to change, you need to change the rewards. You need to uh, change the colors on that mirror, right? You, yep. um, We all know those sticky notes that are on the fridge, even for ourselves, right? That you don't even see anymore. And like, oh my God, <laughs> that was a long up. time ago. Yeah. But for a child with ADHD. That right now, I have a yellow sticky note <laughs> yeah. on my fridge with meal ideas. Yeah. And it's been there probably for six months. Yeah, yeah. I have not looked at it for five and a half. Yeah, 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 right? <laughs> Yeah, before child ADHD, we after three days, and again, they don't yeah. do it on purpose, right? They don't do it on purpose. Right. They just don't see it anymore. So you need to switch yeah. it around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I think it is a tough balance mm -hmm. for parents to try and help their kids grow, develop, yeah. kind of improve in an area or learn something new or to stay engaged in that when and when they have to actually recognize their kids at capacity right mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. this, this isn't something they can learn at this stage mm -hmm. and I don't think like I think about all the books I've read and all the clients I've seen and all the work I do with people in this area. And I still have this quizzical look of trying mm -hmm. to figure out where that line is for them. Yeah. That's not an easy thing to decipher in your kid. No. Right? Super tough to say, can they or won't they? Yeah. So how do we... In, I know we can't find the fine line for every kid, but do you have any suggestions for parents to try and figure out 
Yeah. Which is which in general? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's tough, like you're saying, right? Yeah. Um, parenting a child with either ADHD or FASD or autism, it's it's one of the toughest jobs. Um, it's not easy. Um, just remember, children do well if they can, and you um, you, you you just have to accept that you have to be patient and you need to allow your child to learn. So I see a lot of parents, you know, with uh, children who are 15, 16, and the parents are still doing everything for them because in the short term, that helps. At That's least right. he's in school in time, at least he gets his assignments in. Yep. But then you don't allow your child to learn and also not learn from consequences of handing in something. Sometimes that's what's needed at school, right? Because yeah. in university, professors or in college, professors aren't going to be so forgiving, right? right? So right. on the one hand, you need to let your child do some of the work. You help them, but you also give them time um, to to practice, right? Don't do it all for them. Um, okay. But it's it's tough. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a fact. It's tough. Um, it is. Having a lot of patience and just continue to realize that they're not doing it on purpose. They're just struggling, right? And sometimes, yeah. to be honest, parents just need to be parents. And maybe you need some outside support, you know, totally. to find a coach that can help your child because it's it's too much to handle. And your relationship struggles because, and you're a parent that, you know, brings your child everywhere, but you're also this nagging teacher, you know, every 15 That's minutes, right. come on, let's go, let's go. Let's, you know, have you handed this in? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I think about that too, with, um, parents who have multiple kids who mm -hmm. are very neurodiverse from one another. And so you can't apply one parenting style mechanism level of intervention mm -hmm. right yeah. of interaction and coaching when not every kid needs it the same way and right. so that is a tough call for parents mm -hmm. to to be one where one hat for one kid yeah. and then put another hat quick up but we both need to go to school at the same time and you're right and then this unfairness feel of how mm -hmm. do you educate siblings yeah like, do you educate? What's the, what do we do with kids who go, that's not fair. You do everything for so-and-so yes. yeah. and I'm younger and I have to do it all myself. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. what's good parenting for that younger child is actually, they can do it. And yes. so we want to keep growing them. Yes. Yeah. Know? Yeah. How do you deal with that? Yeah. So I actually see sometimes siblings just for a session to kind of educate them about what is ADHD, what is autism, what is FASD, because okay. Kids don't always realize what's going on, right? They don't always understand. So if they're at an age where I can kind of teach them what's going on for their, you know, sister okay. or brother, I definitely do that. That, um, you know, I, I teach them that every brain works different. But I do tell parents, if you set up a, a reward chart or, you know, your child, also do it for the other sibling, right? Unless, okay. you know, the sibling is like 17. Um, yes. But definitely but have different expectations, right? So for yeah. one child, it may be this, but for the other child, it may be a more difficult task. But definitely have a reward chart for both. And also don't forget about that child that's functioning really well and that you think, oh, they're doing fine because sometimes they are forgotten um, yeah. because they don't require that much support. And then, you know, that can cause other struggles sometimes later down the road because they don't feel seen. Yeah like that so yeah definitely include them 
Yeah. And I can imagine it's the, the flip for the, for the, the child who might have more of a struggle to do it without the support yeah. self-esteem wise to compare themselves to a sibling and say, they don't need that. Mm-hmm. So this kind of casual observation, just that that's their normal environment yeah. of where one kid can kind of just pick up and go and do their thing. Yeah. So and the other one it. needs this parent harping on them, yes. right? Which yeah. is such a, deflating experience. And I I read a statistics, I think it was out of uh, Barclay's book about how many times, how many more times an ADHD kid gets told no. Yeah. And And I I have done this experiment with my kids where Mm -hmm. I have said for the next hour, everything that I say, just say no to it. Right. And, and the feeling I got was just like, yeah, how exhausting. Yeah. And even though as parents, we know we have to set those limits because they're risk takers or they're not able to see ahead or think that through or it's not realistic. And so they're saying, I want to eat cotton candy for dinner. And we're like, no, because the amount of things they offer as ideas are just not doable. They get that many more no's back. But it doesn't change their lived experience. To them, eating cotton candy is very reasonable. (laughs) So in their frame of reference, they're like, all I get is no's from you. And my sister gets way more yeses. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Why is he allowed to play video games and this and that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, I think they they say like for each negative feedback, get like two or three positive feedback, right? So really focusing on positive praise, making sure that, you know, you make the child feel good for things that they do well, even if it's something as simple as bringing their um, empty cup to the kitchen or brushing your teeth or like, wow, I really noticed you. Took, a, took some time to write this neatly instead of rushing. So uh, sometimes I'll tell parents to put that sticky note on the fridge yeah. that says positive praise because we forget That's big. how many little things your child actually does well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so just to remind yourself of that because, yeah, we are starting to get those glasses that only look at the negative things that aren't going well. But sometimes, you know, we forget about some of the small things that do go well. And the strength well, and I think that's a that's a great example because I think about okay, we're at the dinner table together. Like I've heard this story from parents a lot. Mm-hmm. We're at the dinner table. I've got three kids. Yeah. Um, I don't say a thing. They finish their meal. Two kids will bring their cups to the t- their plates to the counter, mm-hmm. and then I always have to ask child number three, yeah. please take your plate again to the, and and it's yeah that experience of it's so hard for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, from their own vantage point yeah. about what's needed for mm-hmm. that. But I think, and, and I think there's this belief that like, this is such a small task. I should be able to expect it. Yeah. And so I don't want to heap on praise the one time you do it yeah. because you're 12, but right? Then again. That, yeah. right. <laughs> so this is that feedback that I think, you know, when I, we talk, like when I have conversations about internal intrinsic Mm -hmm. kind of motivation I talk about chemicals in the brain because so if I have a a push button and every time you do something that's pleasurable I hit the button and you get this dopamine rush like your one kid doesn't get that exactly yeah and so this is a very visual kind of idea of like they don't get the thing that happens internally to says yay that was amazing and so why would they clear their plate there's nothing rewarding about that yeah no no. So you have to be their reward, essentially. You have to offer the praise to say, Absolutely. that was amazing, because yeah. it's not happening in their own brain. Yeah, because what I noticed there, what you did, is you compared that um, 
those two neurotypical children yes. with the one that isn't so neurotypical, exactly. right? You should be able to do it. Like, come on, uh-huh. right? Yeah. I don't want to pamper them with praise no. for small things, yes. kind of, but they need it. If you want to move forward. So yeah, big. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see why having a coach would be a huge benefit. I'm, I'm thinking of all the parents with teenagers who struggle in school and it feels so consequential. Like yeah. if they don't nail this course, they can't get into next year's. And yeah. if they don't do that, how are they going to apply for college? And yes. with COVID and all the weird learning adjustments, yeah. like everything's been thrown off. And I think it feels so urgent. Yeah to help their kid get it because, and so I get why you would say, you know, I see parents doing a lot for them because if they don't, and it's really a capacity issue, they can't do it without you. What other option do you have? Right. And so when you said, you know, I lay out a planner and I tell them exactly, and I time it with them and I'm like, Oh man, all the parents are going to become clamoring at your door saying, yes, please. Yes, please. You do this for me because I'm so exhausted with trying to do that. And, and what teenager Mm -hmm. when they're trying to become independent from their parent Mm -hmm. wants their parent to hyper manage them. Yeah, absolutely. Right. No micromanaging is that's like the opposite direction of what your kid wants from a parent. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you need that outside person that really hears the child, right. That doesn't know the child, but really validates the children's uh, difficulties and struggles, right. That outside person um, that you can then work with. Amazing. Okay. (laughs) This was a great snapshot, but you took us deeper and I appreciate all the examples you've given. I know from a parent perspective, that is what helps sink things in for me is when you give me a lived experience of how, how will this actually work in my home? Yeah. So I thank you for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It was good to have you today, Fleur. Yeah. Thank you for the invite. Thanks for spending time with me today. Remember to check out the show notes for related resources. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash LRL series, where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.